church as you're seated i want to invite you to take your bibles and go ahead and find your place back to matthew chapter 5 uh, we're nearing the end of our study through the beatitudes and so next week we'll wrap it all up this morning we're going to find ourselves in verse number nine and so uh, with this beatitude uh, it says in matthew 5 verse number nine says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Now this divine pronouncement, when it is understood, when it is taken to heart, when it is applied by and through the Holy Spirit, can not only bring about an inner peace in our troubled lives, but it can also make us instruments of peace in a troubled world, or, or, or in other words, it has the potential to give us peace within and to make us mediators of peace to the lives of those that are around us. So this beatitude, blessed are the peacemakers, fundamental to understanding what Jesus is saying here is in the precise meaning of the word peacemakers. So let's break that word down. The first word, peace. This word that Jesus uses for peace is the word shalom. And that word carries with it more than just the absence of conflict, the absence of trouble, the absence of grief. No, this word shalom is a relational word. It's a relational word that signals that everything is good between the person and God and between the person and other individuals. So when a Jewish person would, would greet and say shalom, they're wishing another person much more than just the absence of trouble. What they're wishing for the other person is for a complete and whole life rooted in a relationship with God. And so peace, he says, shalom. And the second half of the word makers, well, that demands that we understand that being a peacemaker is not a passive source, but rather an active source of peace. In other words, peace isn't just going to naturally happen, and so we don't have to just sit down and wait for it to occur. No, God calls us to be engaged in the peacemaking process. So both of those parts, peace and maker, when you take them together, describes an individual who actively pursues peace in its fullness. Actively pursues peace. And again, it's more than just the absence of conflict. It is the wholeness of a person, the well-being of an individual. So keeping this in mind, let me just quickly kind of eliminate some false concepts of what it is to be a peacemaker so let's consider what a peacemaker is not and for those of you that are following along in our app and you're taking notes let me let me just kind of help you fill in the blank here it says a peacemaker is not the kind of person who is laissez-faire or easygoing that, that's not what it means to be a peacemaker we're not talking about the person who doesn't care what anyone else is doing just as long as it doesn't affect them or their family or their loved ones. That's not what a peacemaker is. So a peacemaker is not the kind of person who's easygoing. A peacemaker is not always tolerant. 
Peacemaker is not always tolerant. The attitude of you do your thing and I'll do my thing and we'll mutually respect one another because of that, that's not what it means to be a peacemaker. So a peacemaker is not always easygoing. The peacemaker is not always tolerant. And then a peacemaker is not an appeaser. An appeaser. The kind of person, you know, who, who wants peace at any price. The, the kind of person that uh, will, will do or fail to take a stand for the truth so as not to create tension in a relationship. And so that person just lives with the attitude, well, we'll just do peace at any price no matter what. Appeasement does not make for peace. Appeasement only delays the conflict. And so a peacemaker is not easygoing. A peacemaker is not always tolerant. A peacemaker is not an appeaser. The true peacemaker, contrary to what most people think, a true peacemaker is not afraid to take a stand. Let me give you two characteristics of a peacemaker. First and foremost, you need to understand that a peacemaker is characterized by their honesty. They're characterized by their honesty. If there's a problem, then they are willing to admit and to address the problem at hand. And the prophet Jeremiah puts it very memorably for us. In chapter 6 of Jeremiah, I'll get there in a moment, the prophet responds in amazement to Judah's unbelief. And here's the thing, no one would listen to the prophet Jeremiah. He tried to warn them of the pending doom and destruction and judgment that God was going to bring about the people. And by the time you get to Jeremiah chapter 6, this is the first time of more than three dozen opportunities that, judgment, uh, that Jeremiah tries to speak the truth, but the people refuse to listen and to obey the word of God. So ultimately, God pours out his wrath on all elements of society, from the children to the elderly, and every walk of individuals in between the two, God poured out his wrath upon them all. And all of that would occur because all sections of society were corrupt. Everything was corrupt. Even the prophets and the priests at that time were corrupt. And so what we see in, in verse number 14 of Jeremiah chapter 6, it says they, and he's talking about the prophets and the priests, he says that they have healed the wounds of my people lightly, saying peace, peace, when there is no peace. Now that's, a, that's a pretty good translation. Now I personally prefer the New Living Translation's rendering of this verse because I think it picks, paints a better picture of what's happening. And so the New Living Translation says that they, again, the prophets and the priests, offer superficial treatments for my people's mortal wounds. They give assurance of peace when there is no peace. So the prophets and the priests, they were proclaiming peace to the people. The problem is God didn't give them the message of peace to deliver to the people. And so they were nothing but charlatans. Charlatans that were leading the people astray that was causing great damage and destruction into their lives. And they had no shame about their lying to the people. In fact, if you, you look in your, your Bible, 
By the time you get to verse number 15, it says that they were hardened in their ways, that they didn't even know how to blush when their sin was exposed before them. The peacemaker is not like this. The peacemaker is willing to be painfully honest. We need to understand, in their pursuit of honesty, it doesn't mean that they become Bible-thumping, finger-wagging individuals that come across as being all cruel, cold, heartless. You know, being a peacemaker doesn't mean or doesn't give us a license to be rude to other people, to be cruel, to be hateful, or, or to be mean. No, being a true peacemaker means that, that we long to speak the truth, that we long to declare God's word with integrity, but we speak the truth with love, seasoned with a whole lot of grace. That's what a peacemaker does. And so a peacemaker is known for their honesty. And then number two, a peacemaker is willing to take risk. The temptation in the midst of a conflict is to just let things slide, to, to let it go. It, it's so easy to rationalize the situation and to convince yourself that trying to bring about peace in the midst of a conflict will only tend to make things worse. Have you ever been there? Thought that? And yet, here's the thing. God's Word commands us that we are to do everything that we can in order to bring about peace. I'll give you just a couple of references. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 3, Paul declares that we should be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Eager to maintain the unity of Spirit. And then it says in Romans chapter 14, verse number 19, it says, so then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. So we should be eager to pursue the things that, that make for, for peace and to build and edify one another. So, so how beautiful true peacemakers are. Filled with peace themselves, a peacemaker is honest about their relationships. Honest about their relationship with God. Honest about their relationships with other believers honest about the relationships that they have with people in this world. They're honest about what's in their own heart. A true peacemaker is sensitive uh, to where other people are. Here's, here's something that ought to help us. is in the understanding that if you're a child of God, you are, are in the process of being sanctified by and through God's grace. And that sanctification problem it, uh, process is, is growing in Christ-like maturity. The thing is, when you become a believer, you do not automatically receive instantaneously perfect sanctification. You're on this development process of growing. And this place is filled with believers who are on different process of that spiritual development we're all on the same way but some of you are a little bit further down the road than others of us 
And so we need to understand that and we need to bear with one another. One of the scriptures that come to my mind aren't in your notes, but it says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 2, that we should with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another with love. So we allow for, for, for those differences. We understand that, that some of us are, some, are, are a little bit further along the line in that spiritual maturation than others. And so we're going to be patient. We're going to walk humbly. We're going to love one another. And we're going to be on this journey all together. So a peacemaker refuses to be satisfied with fake peace. Refuses to proclaim peace when there is no peace. In fact, they are willing to take risks in order to make things right. So I want you to notice the reward that our Lord says comes to the peacemakers. It says, blessed are the peacemakers for they and they alone will be called sons of God. Now what you need to understand is that Jesus is not talking about how we become a son of God or how we become a child of God. What he is saying is that God's children are ultimately peacemakers. If you want to know the process of how to become a son of God, then you have to look at other texts in Scripture. Places like John chapter 1, verse number 12. It says, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And then it says in Galatians chapter 3, verse number 26, for in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. It is by grace through faith that we become a child of God. And so this isn't talking about how to become God's children. What it's saying and what it's declaring to us is that as a child of God, then we are called and commanded to take on the role of being a peacemaker. And so that phrase, sons of God, is a Hebrew idiom that is used to express the character of God. And so the goal of Christianity is Christ-likeness here and now it's growing in in christ-like maturity right now and right here and so as we pursue christ-likeness we begin to restore the image of god in this world the image of god we're created in the image of god but that perfect image has been damaged and ultimately destroyed because of sin and so when a child becomes when a person becomes a child of God by faith in Jesus Christ, then they go on this process of sanctification, God working in and through them to further develop them to be a reflection of the characteristics of Jesus. And that brings hope and glory to this world. And so we already know from Scripture that our Heavenly Father is the God of peace. I'll show you in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Verse number 23, it says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our Heavenly Father himself is the God of peace. And so ultimately, how does the God of peace make peace with humanity? Well, God made peace by the blood of Jesus Christ. 
He made peace through the cross. That's why Scripture declares in Colossians chapter 1, verses 19 and 20, it says, For God, in all His fullness, was pleased to live in Christ, and through Him, God reconciled everything to Himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. In other words, even though we are natural rebels against God, even though we have committed high treason against the the perfect righteousness of God, even though we are rebels against Him, worthy of being convicted and ultimately executed because of our sin, nevertheless, God sacrificed His own Son as a means of obtaining peace between us and Him. And now He declares amnesty. (laughs) And you're free and clear for everyone who will lay down their arms of independence and put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Then God will make peace with you in and through the blood of Jesus. And that's a beautiful thing. God's strategy has been to bring about lasting peace between Him and between humanity. And as God's children, that should be our desire as well. To be messengers of that peace. Messenger of that hope that we can have a right relationship with the Creator of all things. After all, we're to have and display the very character of our Father. Which very simply... And practically, what that means is simply what God loves, we're to love. What God pursues, we ought to pursue. What God despises and rejects, then we're to despise and reject. Our problem is, if you want to be honest, we tend to like the things that God despises. And we tend to turn back to them because, well, there's lots of reasons why. Because we haven't fully eliminated that that sinful desire that resonates within us. And so we tend to turn back to the things that God despises. But, But if we're going to display the character of our Father, then the things that He loves, we're going to love. The things that He pursues and the people that He pursues are the things and the people that we're going to pursue. And we reject something, then we reject that same thing because we want to be uh, true uh, to the character and to the nature of our God. So therefore, we're to pray and we're to take whatever practical steps that are necessary in order to make peace in this world. Here's where it gets a little bit difficult. You need to understand that we do not always succeed in making peace. We don't always succeed. And I want you uh, to make sure that you do not equate the desire and the goal of peacemaking with that of peace achieving. See, the peacemaker is a person who longs for peace. They work for peace. They sacrifice for peace. 
all the time realizing that the attainment of peace with other individuals may or may not happen. Romans chapter 12, verse number 18, is very important in respect to this point. There, Paul says, if possible, so far as it depends upon you, live peaceably with all. See, that's the goal of a peacemaker. If possible, so far as it depends upon you, then it says live peaceably with all. In other words, don't let the rupture in that relationship be your fault. Some of you have damaged relationships. And my question to you is, what's more important, establishing and bringing about peace and restoration in that relationship or your insistence that you're right? Now, there are some things that we don't back down from, and I'm talking about core fundamental principles and doctrine of God's Word. We don't sacrifice that, but in the defense of that, we're to do it properly and lovingly and with great patience. But there are a lot of us that have damaged relationships with other people, and it has nothing to do with core foundational principles of God's Word. It has to do with personality conflicts. It has to do, ultimately, I would say it all boils down to pride. Your unwillingness to admit that you're wrong. And that stubbornness to, that, that hinders peace from being brought back into that relationship. And let me give you some, some, some good news. Or maybe it's shocking to you. I don't know. But you do realize that when there's conflict between you and another individual. Now we're talking interpersonal conflict. Peace with God is always attainable through repentance. Okay? But with other individuals... In those relationships, if there's fractures in those relationships, if there's turmoil or pain, or there used to be a close relationship and then something happened, and now there's this distance between the two, I'm going to tell you that a lot of times healing can be brought into that relationship if you just humble yourself and apologize. And here's the shocking part. Even when you're right, you could probably find a way or a reason to apologize for because I'm pretty sure that there's not a single one of us in here, myself included, that has handled every single problem in this life perfectly. So are you willing to, even if you're right, to reflect and be like, man, I didn't handle that the right way. I didn't give the best me in that situation. Christ wasn't glorified or truly reflected in the way that I handled that situation. And for that, I'm sorry. And, and, and by the way, when we're talking about I'm sorry, could you just apologize and, and say you're sorry without putting it back on the other individual? Does anybody else get so annoyed with the apologies that you see and that you hear that begin with the phrase, I'm sorry if you were offended? which you didn't apologize for anything in that statement. In fact, you put the burden of the problem back upon the, the other individual. You really said it's their fault. 
is if you say, I'm sorry if I offended you or if I'm, I'm sorry if I hurt you, then ultimately what you're saying to those that aren't offended or those that aren't hurt is, I'm not sorry at all. Which is it? Are you sorry? And if you're going to apologize, let me just encourage you to be specific in your apology. I'm sorry that I responded very critically when you spoke to me the other day. Would you please forgive me? So you, you acknowledge what it is that you did in very specific terms, and you also ask directly for forgiveness from that offended individual. And you don't get to say, I'm sorry that I yelled at you the other day when you did this to me. It don't work that way. Because when you say that second part, you've just invalidated the apology from the beginning. Is it really necessary for you to always be right? Paul says, if possible, so far as it depends upon you, live peaceably with all. With everyone. So the radicalness of Jesus' call to peacemaking starts with us. And so first and foremost, because it starts with us, it means that we must personally experience the, the shalom of God. We must be, have a right relationship with the Father. We cannot become a peacemaker until we've found peace with God Himself. And so without grace, we are natural enemies of God and of each other. So our hearts must be changed because we cannot give to others what we do not possess for ourselves. So this interchange, coupled with the dependence upon the Holy Spirit, is what makes us a peacemaker. He says, blessed are the peacemakers. I say, blessed are the peacemakers because they try the nearly impossible. They are always searching for the best in other people. They're always willing to admit their limitation. Peacemakers are slow to find fault in others. They're hesitant to condemn and quick to understand a brother or sister's weaknesses. The peacemaker offers grace and forgiveness instead of insisting insisting upon revenge peacemaker they're bold enough to stand against evil they're disciplined enough to assist upon order not only that they're compassionate enough to embrace the guilty or the condemned my question for all of us myself included is am i bold enough Am I disciplined enough? And am I compassionate enough to be the peacemaker that God's called me to be? My prayer is that the Holy Spirit would mold the character of peacemaker into each and every one of our lives so that we might become more gentle, more humble, and more loving in dealing with one another. So may He lead us Not to say peace when there is no peace, but may he lead us to take the stand to speak the truth with love, seasoned with a whole lot of grace.
But in order for us to be a true peacemaker that he calls us to be, first and foremost, we must be recipients of peace. So the question becomes, do you have peace with God? Are you at peace with the Heavenly Father? The only way that you can have peace with God is through faith in and through His Son, Jesus Christ. So as a recipient of peace, we're now called and commanded to be an instrument of peace into the lives of other people. So may we all be both recipients and distributors of the peace of God. Three quick questions, and I'm done. Question one, have you experienced peace with God? Do you have that peace in your life right now? Question two, are you willing to stand up for the truth? It means are you willing to speak with honesty? Are you willing to to be bold? Are you willing to stand firm? Are you willing to stand up for truth? And then question number three, are you willing to pursue peace? So far as it depends upon you, are you currently striving to live peaceably with all? All. It's all-inclusive. From in-laws to outlaws, from former friends to neighbors to co-workers to bosses, live peaceably with all. I hope and I pray that we would become exactly what God's called us to become. That we would strive to model that peacemaking characteristic in and through all of our lives. May God be glorified in this moment. Father, help us. Help us to be truly honest enough to take a reflection of our own life and an inventory of our own lives, Father. And in this moment, in this place, there are lots of sins that need to be confessed. There are decisions that need to be made. There are commitments that are long overdue. And Father, you know all things. And in this moment, Father, I pray that your spirit would move among us, guiding us, convicting us, encouraging us, equipping us to make whatever decisions that we need to in this place at this time to most fully bring you glory. God, that's why we exist. To glorify you and to make your glory known. In this time of invitation, Father, I pray that you would speak to all of our hearts Help us to make decisions that would honor you. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.